Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Living Free Podcast, the audio companion to Living Free Ministries located in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We are a nonprofit who provides churches and ministries, small group training and discipleship programs to help people overcome life controlling problems and find wholeness in Jesus. We're excited to be able to offer this new resource as a way to encourage, inform and equip anyone who is interested in conquering a life controlling issue. This is our very first episode, and we'll be speaking with the founder of Living Free Ministries, Dr. Jimmy Lee. Dr. Lee will provide some insight into how this ministry began and the heart behind it. So to get things started, here's the president of Living Free Ministries and the host of this episode, Dan Strickland. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Living Free podcast. This is our first one, and so uh, this is uh, breaking new ground for us. And we thought that since we had the founder of Living Free with us today, it would be a good time to uh, interview him and give us some background on the history of Living Free and how everything started. So welcome, Jimmy. Thank you, Dan. One of the things we were talking about uh, earlier, Jimmy, was that how God prepares a person for ministry And we know that every ministry starts with a person who has a vision and a calling from God. And so I just wanted to ask you, can you tell us a little bit about the experiences you had growing up and the foundation that was built in your life? My whole life has been built around the church. My father was a pastor, a great pastor, a great man of God. And I spent my entire life in all facets of church ministry. But the one area that struck me more than any was outreach. That was where my heart really was, was in outreach, though I had a wonderful background working in the church. Well, I know that in your you know your early career, you were working in the business world uh, with a company here in Chattanooga. And um, describe, you know, what you did before you came into the ministry and how you made that transition. For 11 and a half years, I worked at DuPont Corporation, which is a great company to work for. I was a training supervisor. Little did I know God was preparing me for training that would come later in, in Living Free. But we was very involved, uh, even at that time, with the church while I was working at DuPont. But I wasn't quite happy. Something was missing in my life, and I knew it was the call of God was there. But I had no access at the time to to fulfill that. But I, I remember going to a conference in 19, I believe it's 75, going to a conference. And then that night during the conference, the speakers talked about moving beyond your limitations and doing what God's calling you to do. And God began to speak to my heart that night, not in an audible voice, but an impression strongly on my heart. And he began to talk to me in, in words like, Jimmy, you wonder why I've let you stay in Chattanooga. Why have you not moved out of Chattanooga? And you've stayed there, and I had a reason. He said, I, I, I want you to go home and go to work for your dad for $150 a week. I said, that's not much, $150 a week, because uh-huh. I'm calling you for a ministry. I walked out that night, and I told my wife, Louise, I said, God spoke to me. I said, Nobody can talk me out of it. God spoke to me. And we came home. And two days later, I had a supervisor out there that called me and talked to me. And I began to share with them what happened. When I come home, it, it blew their mind. They, they still probably got a place for me to, today, but <laughs> it blew their mind. 
but I could knew that for without a doubt God God was leading and talking. So I come home, went to the mailbox. In my mailbox was a letter from New Delhi, India, from an Indian that I had met in years past who went to Tennessee Temple. That letter said, Jimmy, when God speaks to you to leave DuPont to go into full-time ministry, you must respond. That was waiting in my box. Wow. And I knew it was God, of course. And he had no idea what you He had no idea what was going on. And and from there, we, we saw God begin to open doors. And I went to work for my dad as associate pastor. We we probably ate better than we ever ate. We somehow to this day don't know how we made it. Mm-hmm. But we made it till I was called into full-time ministry. So that's how there was a confirmation of your response to God's calling. It was. Did you know what? The ultimate outcome of that was going to be? I had no idea. All I know is the first day that after my resignation, my wife and I started knocking on inner city doors in Chattanooga. We knocked on doors in seven housing projects, tough, tough area. And we from that built a ministry called ARC. We would have kids, we'd go into the projects every week with the volunteer staff and minister to all these children. And that was the, really the beginning of the ministry as God would work in my heart towards helping not only the down-and-outers, but the up-and-outers. So were there any events in your life that, that took you from uh, resigning your job at DuPont and then working uh, in a church? How did you get from there to to founding Living Free or Turning Point at that time? Well, at the time, after we'd had this experience with the ARC ministry, tremendous ministry, 700 kids a week. But but uh, I knew we, we needed something else. And I began to explore about the possibility of Teen Challenge. And God was faithful to us to start the Teen Challenge program here to help fulfill some of that need. And I hired a man, Wayne Keelan, a great man of God, and that become one of the finest Teen Challenge ministries in the entire nation, and I'm so grateful for that. And from that, God spoke to my heart to start a school program, because I, and my experience was in Hendersonville, Tennessee, at the time we were living in Nashville, I, I was invited to work at the Hendersonville High School, who had had five overdoses. And I began a Bible study across the street at a Bonanza restaurant. And we had kid after kid come in, and God changed their life. And from that, I began to speak in schools all over the country. And we started a, a school program called Project 714. And uh, so that was the beginning of the school program and, and the Teen Challenge program as well. Wow. So you were kind of an entrepreneur. You knew how to get things started. I've often said, Jimmy, that you're one of the few people I know that you could put in the middle of a room, an empty office with a telephone and back in those days, a Rolodex. Mm, yes. The younger folks won't know what we're talking about when we talk about Rolodex, mm. but a contact list and start just about anything. I was very blessed to have good people, Dan. Of course, you're, you're, you're the man that God has used in a mar- marvelous way to take this ministry to another level. That's a whole other story, but that is just tremendous. But I've always had good people with a passion. And, and, and we didn't, I mean, it didn't matter how much education or lack of education, we wanted people with passion. They get up in the morning thanking Jesus, go to bed at night thanking Jesus. What can we do better and do, do a great job? 
So you were instrumental in starting Teen Challenge in Chattanooga, also in Nashville, and um, began this uh, ministry in schools or this outreach to students in schools. Um, well, what was the step from moving? What steps were there from moving from the school ministry in the Teen Challenge ministry into what Living Free is today? I was I was disturbed at the time because I saw very little church involvement. It was you know in the schools and or, or even dealing with people who went to Teen Challenge. I didn't see the very much activity in the church, and that bothered me because I'd have we'd have meetings and where's the church represented? We had every group of people you can imagine here wanting to help in the schools, but where's the church? And that's what God laid on my heart was a church. And I had a wonderful confirmation of that in May of 1987. I went to to, uh, Texas to visit with Dave Wilkerson. And And Dave Dave was the founder of Teen Challenge? He's the founder of Teen Challenge. And I I went, and uh, I I was expecting David to be open arms and all that good stuff. (laughs) Well, when I got there, he prophesied to me for 45 minutes with his finger in my face and said, God's calling you to the local church. God's calling you to the local church. Well, I wanted to go to the local church with no doors were open. He said, but God's calling you to the local church. And then he got through and he put out some, show me some books he wanted me to read, uh, the Puritans and all that stuff, you know. So Dave's quite a guy. So that was May. September of the same year, I received a call from Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church from one of the elders. We need your help, Jimmy. We have people in our church that need help. That's how it started. So what did you do? How did you, how did you help them? We went up on Wednesday nights and talked. We took, uh, took uh, Judy Wilson. You remember Judy? Mm-hmm. She's a great instructor. Talks too much, but she's a great instructor. And she's going on to be with the Lord now, but she's a wonderful person. One of the best facilitators I've ever worked with. She's an amazing woman. She's amazing. But we we uh, got started there, and um, we were training on Wednesday nights. And they just said, let's, let's, let's start a small group. So we had about, I think, 10 or 12 people to sign up to go to do a small group every Wednesday night. This was doctors, lawyers, professors. With no way, the down and outers, it was up and outers where God was telling me, showing me something else. It's not just the down and outers, it's the up and outers. And each week before the group would meet, I wrote the inside group uh, from the Second Peter passage. And so that's how the inside group, and then we concluded that, we went to the concerned person. And from that, we had one church after the other begin to call. And that's how we started. So the experience you gained with your early ministries with Teen Challenge and also at that time, it was a Project 714, I think it was called in the, in the schools. That laid the foundation in, uh, for having something to present to the church. And you started in the very beginning and it has continued to be so very strongly biblically based. It was always anchored to the Word of God. You know, we we had we were blessed with good curriculum, best for, blessed with good for presenters, but it was always anchored in the Word of God. And I believe that that's the reason it's still going today and doing well is because it's anchored to God's Word. One of our favorite things is hearing about how people find victory over their life-controlling issues through living free. And so periodically we want to pause and share these stories with you. 
We hope these serve as a source of encouragement and comfort as we all navigate our journey to becoming more like Jesus. So without further ado, let's take a moment and hear about how Megan found hope through a Facing Fear group. When I signed up for the Living Free Facing Fear Finding Faith class, I was going through one of the biggest fears of my life. I had just lost my grandmother, whom I was the caregiver of for three and a half years. And she was also the most special person to me in my life um, for my 33 years here. I was going through a time where I needed something to fill that void of the time that I had spent with her mornings and evenings. And this class popped up at church. Something deep down inside of me just told me to sign up and, and I listened. So I signed up for Facing Fear, and that's exactly what happened. I quickly found that losing grandma was not my only fear. I had many fears that I had not yet faced that were just pushed down inside of me for my whole life, um, for the past several years. There's a lot of things that I can think of right now that I was able to share in those small groups, but I would not have been able to before this class. I am incredibly thankful for the opportunity to share with you all how important this class was to me. By facing my fears, I was able to dig deeper in the Word of God and find this faith inside of me that I knew was there, but I had not yet had the opportunity to grow. I was able to study God's word and share with a small group of people and just dive in. And it was something that I had always longed to do, but this just gave me that opportunity. I'm not gonna say that it was easy because it was hard, but it was necessary. And I found a faith inside of me that I didn't know was there. I'm going to have to say that taking the Living Free class was one of the best decisions of, of my life. So if you're considering it, I suggest that if you hear just a still small voice inside of you and to listen and to try one of these classes because it's amazing. It's going to change your life. It changed my life. And now I was able to leave fear behind and not only carry faith with me as I'm living free. I remember one time um, you were telling a story about um, some sort of a hostile interview that you had in Nashville. And uh, the uh, interviewer was asking you, he says, well, Dr. Leave, you know, have you ever done drugs? Have you ever been a drug addict? Mm -hmm. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that experience? He was aiming for me, I found out later. And so it was kind of a testy kind of experience. And he was, he's, you work with young people, drug problems. Well, that's great. Well, I must ask you, Dr. Lee, you ever been on drugs? I said, no. I said, I know a lot of doctors who delivered babies, never had babies. That shut him up. <laughs> So what qualifies just a regular Christian to be able to help somebody that's struggling 
with a problem in their life. Just don't sit around and do nothing. Just do like Nike says, just do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you may not know what you're doing, but do it. Mm -hmm. And God honor it. And that's the problem. People are waiting for the perfect answer or the perfect model or the perfect whatever. It's, it, let God take care of the perfection. We just, I've always believed, just take, go the next step. Always one step at a time. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, the premise that you built the ministry on is that just a common everyday person that is a believer, it's a mature believer. It has some biblical basis and give them the tools, some, some understanding, some training that they can be very helpful and helping another person overcome a problem in their life. Yes, and I think sometimes we want to rely on the Ph.D. to do it. And I don't have anything against Ph.D.s, but what happens something if you get Ph.D.s leading it, nobody wants to help because they say, let's let the Ph.D. do it. No, we just, we just need to just focus on your plan and work it, and work it hard. And nothing takes the place of work. No, it does not. And I've watched you through the years. You're a very dedicated, very focused man in uh, being able to develop a ministry like this. And uh, in the beginning, it was just how many staff did you have? Me and Louise. That was it. Still got the typewriter stand around here somewhere. I know. But we started with an old Peck Peck typewriter. Uh-huh. And we, we used what God gave us. I remember those early years. We were early adopters at the church I was at in Memphis. Yeah, I, I used Dan to teach a curriculum that he had never taught before. A subject, Tell him about that, Dan. A subject I'd never taught before. <laughs> <laughs> we ended up in, that uh, Jimmy invited uh, me to come to Nashville and present uh, one of the trainings. And uh, as we arrived there, I had my wife and uh, my young children with us and um, we were staying in a motel room across the way from Jimmy. And he says, Dan, I want you to teach in a seminar, uh, as part of the seminar tomorrow. I says, okay, what do you want me to teach? He says, well, teach about codependency. I said, well, what do you want me to teach about codependency? And he says, well, here's an article, you know, you can take it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of the wild west. But are there other, are there other instances, you know, early on in the ministry that you can remember that, uh, or remarkable. We've got so many, it's hard to, hard to really pinpoint them. But I think, I think the biggest thing, Dan, is when God opened the funding for you to come. That was a miracle of God. We received a gift in the amount of $200,000. And the person that gave the money, they were saying, well, let's just, let's just stretch that out over two years or three years or whatever. He said, no, send them 200000 and he sent us 200000 mm -hmm. and that's when you came to work. And, and you have transformed the ministry, Dan. It's been through your leadership that it's grown as fast as it's grown, and with steadiness, I might add. Well, we, we stand on a, a firm foundation and on a great legacy uh, that you have, have begun here, Jimmy. And I just wanted to ask you, I've watched you through the years. You've been a rock. I mean, I've worked for a lot of people through the years, but I've never worked with anybody that I trusted more than you. Thank you. I never had to worry when I woke up, what's Jimmy going to do today? You know, what kind of crazy things I guess can it happen? depends on where Tennessee won or lost. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that affected your mood, whether yeah. Tennessee won or not. But, you know, what are some of the disciplines and what are some of the 
aspects of, of the, your walk with Christ that have made you into the person that you are today? I, I believe that what's helped me, Dan, I, I started to practice a number of years ago, it been at least 15, 20 years ago, of reading the Bible through twice a year. And it's amazing when, whenever you read it, and the passage you come to, if it's Ezekiel or Song of Solomon or Book of John, there's something there to take home. So I pract- I've made that practice to, to spend time with God every morning and stay in His Word consistently. And I believe God's honored that. One of the things that in, in the early days we required a, a training event that lasted, I think it was Thursday night and Friday night and all day Saturday. And then, um, you know, over the years that has changed into something different. But I think, you know, one of the great turning points for the ministry was when we were able to do that video training. That was tremendous. I believe it was 2000. Wasn't it? About, about 1999, then. I think we finished it. Mm-hmm. That was a powerful video series. And you, you had a live group on there, if you, as you remember, very mm-hmm. live. Very live, yeah. And that's some of the best training. I get I get notes to this day talking about how effective that training has been and was over the years. And, and the fact that it could stay uh, very good over a long period of time is amazing. But it, it was a great series, and, and, uh, and you guys have done a good job building on that. Well, I think one of the strategic uh, moves that the ministry made as well was internationally is— uh, releasing the material to other organizations so that they could use it and develop it. I know when we first started, I had people saying, Jimmy, you need to guard this. You need to police this and make sure it's been done just right. And I said, well, God trusts me with his word. And I messed it up all the time. We've, we've talked before, you know, we've, we've seen things come and we've seen things go. I worked in a church one time. We had a janitor that had been there 30 years and he would say, you know, one pastor comes and he wants a wall built over here because we, we need more classrooms. And another one comes in, the next one comes in and says, we need to knock that wall down. We need more space for large groups to gather. And he looked at me and he says, Dan, you know, I've learned that the more things change, the more they stay the same. And through the years, we've watched uh, fads come and go, you know, in, in Christian ministry. Uh, why do you think that Living Free has had such longevity. I still believe, Dan, it's because it's anchored to the Word of God. I, I believe that's the key. I mean, we, we look at practical ways to apply the Word of God to our lives. And our curriculum is, is, is presented like that. How do you apply this to your life? Not just for knowledge, not just for uh, debate or whatever, but apply it to your life. And I think, that to me, I believe that's one of the greatest needs in the church today is, is, is the application of God's Word. And, you know, and, and we've had conversations with, with people from uh, different ethnic ministries and people that uh, would tell us, well, you know, this is great, uh, but it will never work in the Hispanic culture mm-hmm. or it will never uh work in the African-American culture or in the Asian culture? What have we learned? We've learned it works. One, one that comes to my mind right now, there's several, but one wonderful African-American brother up in Maryland, a great, great church. He, he's one of the first ones to start living free, 
It's been going now for what? Almost 30 years. 30 years, yeah. But it don't matter what color the skin is. don't matter what the background is. It's back to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And we let, and let, and you know, the Word separates and the Word enhances. The Word is, is always faithful. That's the thing I like about the Word of God. It's faithful. Jesus is faithful. Same yesterday, today, and forever. And one of the decisions uh, you made early on was not to restrict this to one particular denomination or, or one viewpoint of Bible interpretation. Can you tell us a little bit about that? We've, we've still, back to being anchored to the Word, not, not trying to appease or, or to overlook anybody, but just say, coming in, we're focusing on the Word. We're not going to focus on what, who our denomination is or what our recovery rate is, or any of those things, we're going to focus first on the Word of God. And it's amazing how it takes care of things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the different cultures, and we all recognize that, and people look at the world differently, but the needs of the human heart are the same. The same. Exactly the same. Mm -hmm. They may, you know, go through a different process of of dealing with the emotions and, and, and the way that they live. But deep inside, there's that same longing inside every person, isn't there? There is. And, you know, I'll never forget the training that we did together in New York City when, where we were staying over in New Jersey. And you had to hold on to the bed relative or you'd fall <laughs> out because it was sitting like that. You remember that? Yes. We've had some great times. We've stayed in some nice places, but we've stayed in some that weren't so nice. Yeah, we listened to the rodents uh, going yeah. through the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... If you could go back in time, is there something that you would do differently or change? I think I'd do more to prepare myself. Training, learning, you know, uh, I'd probably put more emphasis on training. Okay. And um, if you were to look into the future, what is your hope for Living Free? That it stays word-based. That it stays on, on, on God. That be faithful to God. And I think that's the reason God's blessed you so, Dan, because you remain faithful to God. Well, Jimmy, how, how do you wish to be remembered as a man and as a minister? That I was faithful. Faithful. And you have been, brother. Thank you. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap our very first episode of the Living Free Podcast. Thank you so much for listening in today. To learn more about Living Free and how to start a group, order material, or make a donation, please visit livingfree.org. Thanks, everyone, and have a wonderful day.